0: So I got a question, was the star of Bethlehem an actual star? Was it uh, an alignment of the planets, a supernatural event? What do you think? Let us know in the comments before we give you the answer. My name is Eric Hovind and I'm just so thankful you're joining me. We want to help you turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones in your life so that you can do the same in other people's lives. You know, whether it's questions about God or science or the Bible, even the meaning of life itself, we want you to understand that truth actually exists. And when you find it, it will set you free, <laughs> physically and spiritually, of course. Hey, in Matthew, we read the account of the wise men and the star. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 2, it says this, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. There's been a lot of speculation about what this star actually is. I want to find out the truth, and we're going to do that today, Because my guest is none other than Dr. Danny Faulkner. He's an astrophysicist. He taught physics uh, and astronomy for 25 years in the university. He now travels the globe uh, researching, writing, speaking, uh, chasing solar eclipses, (laughs) all while trying his best to remain completely barefoot. What's up, buddy? Not much. We're having a conversation here. (laughs) Are you barefoot? Do you have to ask? Yeah, you are. I knew it. You're at your home. Of course you're barefoot, man. Uh, It is Kentucky after all. You you live in the state that lives barefoot, even in the wintertime. You guys are crazy up there. Yeah. Hey, uh, as an astronomer, uh, I thought I'd start by asking you, what what does everybody's 2022 look like? I was born in June. (laughs) Do you ever I'm get that? T- Do people ever ever confuse the two with you? <laughs> Not very often. I'm just trying to get through 2021, hoping
1: that 2022 will be uh, uh, a bit better than 2021 with respect to COVID-19 and things like that.
0: <laughs> well, I certainly hope it's going to be a lot better too. I'm 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 out traveling and speaking again. Uh, you're out traveling. Matter of fact, today you're going to be at a place that I want to go on a tour with you uh the red red rock canyon red wall canyon what's the name of it red river gorge that's the one red river gorge i knew it was red okay uh, so looking forward to taking that tour with you one day hey i did a um i did a poll on instagram because i wanted to find out what people thought if they thought the star of Lamb was an actual star or if they thought it was some kind of maybe something else the results were kind of shocking tell me what you think about this or actually the results were not shocking depending on how you look at it, 30% of people said it was not an actual star. 70% of the vast majority said it was an actual star. Is that pretty consistent with, with what you hear out there or what you um, think about when you go speak at churches and things like that?
1: I think so. But, you know, um, it depends on what your definition of a star is.
0: <laughs> we, well, I uh, want to ask you that too.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was a... Uh, we have a we, we've changed the definition of terms in the last four centuries. Oh, so interesting. We can get into that today, though.
0: Okay, I do want to talk about that. By the way, for those of you joining me on um, on social media, uh, thank you guys. I saw a lot of you on YouTube and a bunch of you on the Creation Today dot.org/live uh, website. Thanks for joining me live right there on the website. And then uh, those of you on Facebook. I want to give away, Dr. Faulkner, a copy of one of your books. It's kind of a follow-up book to your Created Cosmos, but the, the Expanse of Heaven, I think, is a great book because you actually detail the science in here, going through Scripture and talking about the scientific background of this. It's a fascinating book, and I want to give away uh, several copies to some of you that are watching live. But uh, Dr. Faulkner, I need them to put something in the comments to 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 let me know that they want. Oh, they've got it on the screen. Apparently, you need to say I want that book. Do it in all caps so that we know that you're serious. And uh, if you're watching, the ladies right over there in the office are gonna look at you. They're gonna look at the picture, your profile image, and find out do you really need this book. But you comment, and uh, we'll see uh, who they who they think is their favorite of those of you watching today. So. Uh, we're already, Wesley wants it. Wesley wants a copy of this. And Lester wants this book from our partners. All right, we'll see who we can hook this up with. I'll let you know uh, as in, in about 20 minutes here who is going to win the book on all the different platforms. But uh, thanks. Um, okay, I want to know what a star is. We've done a lot of research. It seems to me like there's still a lot of unknown things about the heavens that... Like how much can we actually know? Oh, by the way, I got to go to Cape Canaveral a couple of weeks ago. I was speaking down there, and I got to watch a uh, a nighttime launch that was mind blowing. It was incredible to see this. Uh, uh, it was the the one uh, the Falcon Nine rocket going up to the space station. Incredible. And I'm like, even with our space station, even with our Hubble telescope, how much do we really know? about the stars i mean is it what how much knowledge can we have this is your field you've taught it for 25 years you can probably tell me all about it in two minutes go
1: well we we know an incredible amount about stars but there's a lot we don't know there's still a lot of mysteries out there it's the way science usually is the more you learn about something the more you realize you don't know what you (laughs) you don't know stuff it's a it's incredible because every question you answer it seems to spawn three or four more questions Wow. So we got a long way to go, a lot of mysteries involved. And, and it's a never-ending process, never-ending
0: quest. But we do well, know a lot
1: about stars so far.
0: Astronomy Magazine recently wrote an article called The Star of Bethlehem. Can science explain what it really is? And they talk about this. They say, look, for centuries, scholars have actually suggested the star might be a alignment uh, of planets, Jupiter and Saturn, called the Great Conjunction. Um, can we get into this and start unpackaging, like, wh- what what... What do we think this actually is? What does science teach us and what does the Bible teach us about the star of Bethlehem?
1: Sure. Well, you know, M- Matthew doesn't give us too many clues. It's only yeah. this yeah. I mentioned a couple of times. Uh, yep. The first, first time is they show up in Jerusalem and they, uh, they're asking, where is this king that was born? Because we saw his star uh, <clears throat> in, the, uh, right, uh, in the east. And already we're in trouble <laughs> because that expression, saw it in the east, can have three distinct meanings.
0: Oh, no. Uh, All right. I'm taking notes here.
1: (laughs) It could be that referred to when they were in the east. We think they came from Mesopotamia. While they were in the east of Jerusalem, they saw it. It could mean that they saw it in the eastern part of the sky. It could mean that uh, they saw it as it rose because when astronomical bodies generally rise in the east. So seeing it in the east could be a euphemism for it was rising. So immediately (laughs) we have three different possibilities and they all will take you in different directions. Oh boy. But interestingly enough, there's no more mention of the star. Uh you start off in your little poll beginning there was some misconceptions like how many Magi were there there's a whole slew of things we we think are true about the Christmas story that really aren't. Uh like for instance the the wise men and the shepherds were not there at the same time. They probably weren't in a stable. You know it goes on and on all the things we've read into it. And um so the um uh, we think of the star as leading the, the wise men the whole way, and it doesn't say that at all. It says we we, we we came here because we saw a star in the east, and then after they got a little direction about where to go, they found the prophecy that that uh, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, which is only six miles south of Jerusalem. They took off, and when they did, it says they rejoiced because they saw the star. And the implication seems to be they hadn't seen it in quite a while which would seem Uh. to rule out this leading business anyway, because it had been leading them. They wouldn't have ended up in Jerusalem. They would have gone straight, straight to Bethlehem. That's a good point. Why
0: stop and ask Herod if it's like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they, um,
1: it says then that it uh, sort of went before them. And this is where we get this idea of leading them. It did lead them apparently, but only for a few miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And then Uh. it said it stood over the place where the child was. And that's, That's getting perplexing because uh, this this thing was going before them as they went. It didn't seem to be moving like stars normally would. Normally, a star in the sky, any astronomical body, unless it's a really short-lived thing like a meteor, is going to be traveling from east to west as you're looking southward. That would be left to right in the sky, yet there's no indication. In fact, the indication is quite contrary. It kind of stayed fixed ahead of them as they went. Already, this kind of defies any kind of naturalistic explanation. But then it said it stood over the place where the child was, and that could refer to a particular house, or it could refer to the town itself, because Bethlehem is, was a very tiny place. And some people say, well, it just appeared to be that way. Well, you could have said that the entire way down. I think there's a little bit more to it. The um, these guys, if, if if I could look outside my house tonight and I could see a star above one of my neighbors' houses. But as an astronomer, I know if I walked out into my driveway and into the cul-de-sac a little bit, that star wouldn't be over the house anymore now, would it? And uh, these people were the astronomers of the day. The uh, the Magi were a highly trained, highly educated uh, class of people. They were advisors to kings. They weren't kings, but they were advisors to kings and other, other leaders and they they knew a lot of things including astronomy at the time and they certainly would have known well if i walk over 30 50 feet to the side here it's not going to be over top of that house anymore but lo and behold apparently it was so this tells me it was probably not any kind of natural event at all but it was probably a, a supernatural a thing specially god made just for them In the introduction you ask about you know was it a star and i said it depends on your definition We define a star today as to be a uh, self-gravitating body, uh, a self-gravitating spherical uh, globe of gas that uh, gets its energy from uh, fusing up hydrogen to helium in its core. That's how astronomers define it. But you know what? Until a few hundred years ago, everybody defined a star as a bright thing up in the sky, (laughs) except for the sun and the moon, usually. That would include then uh, planets. They were wandering stars. The word planet comes from, the term. Uh, would include meteors and comets. A comet is a hairy star. Uh, they didn't have aircraft and drones back then, but uh, those would have been satellite, uh, those would have uh, appeared as stars. They would have called them stars. That's an odd looking star. It's making kind of a humming sound, too. Isn't that weird? And then the satellites, <laughs> the same way. So any kind of a light up in the sky would have been it. So many of us have come to the conclusion, and we had answers in Genesis, concur with this that this was probably a special made light in the sky that uh, was probably of limited visibility because it was a localized thing. And uh, who knows, maybe nobody else really noticed it except for the Magi all this time.
0: Well, on social media, they're telling me it could be an angel, uh, could be a very special star, possibly a UFO, kind of like <laughs> you're describing. That's what they're yeah. saying on social media right now. So, uh, and I want to know about this alignment of the planets on the, on the, it, December 21st that is the winter solstice right yeah that was that was last year though so this year that it's not happening this year on December 21st Not happening no
1: what happens unfortunately eric is is uh, when a big story like this happens uh, a year later somebody out there will pick up the story not realize it's a year old and re- redo that i remember back uh, 20 years ago back in 2003 Mars was a, it was as closest to us that it'd been in uh, in uh, in human history. And uh, it was a big deal in the news. And then the next year people started sending it to me. What about this? Is it Mars really gonna be the well? Yeah, it was last year. This went on for about 10 years. <laughs> Every year somebody would wow. repost it. And I think you've been a victim of somebody reposting a story that's a year old. <laughs>
0: Well, I did look at the date and it said 2020 on it. And I was like, oh, they're, they're writing this ahead of time about what's Uh, coming. And uh, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't even look further into. Um, It was was
1: very interesting. Uh, By the way, I was out one night with our Christmas town here at the, uh, at the creation museum. I was out there, I think on the 22nd, I couldn't do it the 21st. I set up a telescope in front of the creation museum. It was the next night, which they're almost as close. And I showed people happened to come by and, uh, Only time in my life that I've been able to see those two planets in the same field of view of the telescope. You can see the rings of Saturn. You can see the Galilean satellites or moons of Jupiter all in the same field of view. Got to realize that Jupiter and Saturn uh, come together in the sky, what we call conjunction, about every two decades. I saw one in uh, Mm -hmm. 1980, one in 2000. Uh, This one in 2020 is unusual in the fact they were so close together. The ones before were several, like a degree or more apart. So it was striking what you could see in the sky and through the telescope. But other than that, there was nothing terribly more significant about it, I don't think.
0: Wow. So it it does make me ask the question, you know, that in Genesis, uh, we know what the Bible says uh, about stars, Genesis 1.14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, signs, hello, and let yeah. them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light on the day. And then he made the stars also. So obviously we're supposed to be looking for signs in the heavens, yeah. buddy. Come on now, get but with when, the Bible. When people,
1: when people ask me about, you know, what are these signs? It's the first example I give that we have the, the, the sign that was given to them by the uh, uh, by the Lord, I think, to tell them of the, of the birth of Jesus. Now there will be signs in the end, I believe there are numerous passages in the Old and New Testament talk about signs in the heavens. Um, so I don't think God's out of that business of posting signs for us.
0: So we could still be on the lookout for something happening, but Jupiter and Saturn coming into alignment every 20 years isn't necessarily it. No, I don't think so. Okay.
1: And people have suggested over the years, you know, the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus, uh, that's been uh, another one that was very popular in, in a DVD circulated all a decade ago. About a about a, a, a new conjunction of planets, um, what well, was it, two and uh, two BC,
0: I believe. And right. That, I was, was going to ask you about that too. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've watched that documentary, and when yeah. it came out in two thousand and seven, I'm like, "This is pretty <laughs> cool." But then yeah. the more I got into <laughs> it, you started poking <laughs> holes in that theory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I've got. We have an article on our website about that. If you want to know more, go to the dot org website and. Uh, and uh, just search for that; it'll come up pretty quickly. But there have been many other attempts. You know, back it was a twenty. Um, when was it? Twenty seventeen, I believe. In September, there was this um, fulfillment of Revelation 12, 1 and two, uh, yes. a sign in the sky with a, a, a woman with crown with uh, 12, twelve stars, and the sun clothed in the sun, and, and the and the moon at her feet. And uh, there was a bunch of that stuff going around. I had several articles I wrote on that. And you know, about the about a few a few weeks out from that date in September of 2017, uh, my article was for a while there the most uh, popular article on our website, is even beating up Ken Ham's um, uh, blog, which is usually the most popular one. I think one day we had 100,000 hits on that one article. Unbelievable. So it was crazy. Then
0: the next day, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like oh, that wasn't it. That it wasn't. But but that is it. We're always looking for, and that was the blood moons, and that was the, We're always looking for these things that the Bible talks about. So how should we? And and this is this is a problem. I experienced this this last week uh, at Thanksgiving. People sharing thoughts from the Bible with me about what the Bible says, and they were taking things completely. Out of context, and it's it's almost frustrating because I'm going look. You, you got to go a little bit deeper than just taking one or two lines out of the Bible and saying, "Here's what that means." That means this September 2017, God's coming back, or it's the beginning of you know the end, or you know, it's all these different things. So, what's your advice for um, and, and and they're well-meaning people. They're tr- they're trying to understand and get into Scripture. What's your advice for them as we kind of jump into this and and people read something and or they read an article. How can they be a little bit more discerning? Or maybe it's just go to Answers in Genesis and read your articles. Maybe that's. maybe <laughs> well, that's the,
1: Yeah, the, the people are looking for validation. They're looking for proof. They're, they're looking for things that really gel with modern modern headlines and so forth. And I, I fear when it comes to these kind of signs we're talking about, like um, blood moons and all that kind of stuff, they're setting the bar incredibly low. And when it comes to eclipses we can predict those i think the apocalyptic things in the in the bible that talks about such things are things that are going to be inexplicable unexpected and, and just a, really a mystery and um, i think i think if we can actually anticipate and predict these things ahead of time then it probably doesn't qualify as much of a sign i think when these signs happen everybody in the world will say what is going on this is just we can't explain this, but we can explain these other things. So people need discernment. They need to pray about it. They think yeah. about it and look at it and not be so easily swayed by these arguments. Uh, uh, every time we've had these kind of things, and I've, I've talked about these and many other things in the past, and I just find people, uh, uh, they don't like me raining on the parade, but I I have to stand up for biblical truth and authority. And I think it cheapens things and actually undermines, can undermine people's faith, Rather than uh, the the intended consequence of, of it, strengthen their faith.
0: Um, and how many articles have I read from people that said, "I used to be a believer, and now I don't believe in God, and I'm no longer a Christian." Yeah. And they cite example after example of people that took something and took it way too far, took it out of context, yeah, yeah. and th- they're what they're really disappointed in is something that they shouldn't have believed in anyway.
1: Yeah. And I think people are looking for exciting things or looking for out of the ordinary. I, I've, I've written a bit about recently about Gnosticism, and I think it's the Gnostic appeal. People want to have that inside track on some sort of unknown knowledge or secret knowledge or arcane knowledge that few people know. And I, and I don't, I don't think truth is like that many times. You know, the, the truth, the, the salvation, Jesus said, you know, is, is found on the narrow and straight way, not the broad way, and few that yeah. find it. That's what it's talking about there, and it's not because it's a secret. It's because it's just not a sort of thing that most people want to follow. But when it comes to learning about the Lord and learning about Scripture— it's uh, it's not like it's a matter of learning some secret little little tricks here. It's a, It comes down to diligent study and prayer and consideration. It's not simple. It's not easy. But people are looking for an easy way out, I fear, many times.
0: Well, if you Google star in the Bible, you are also going to find Numbers chapter 24, which is kind of interesting. Verse number 17 uh, of Numbers 24 says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh there shall come a star out of Jacob. How do people interpret that and how should they interpret it?
1: Well, it's, it's a tricky one. I think it could be talking about the Messiah himself. I, I don't think it's talking necessarily about the star of Bethlehem or the, the Christmas star, the star that led the, the, the Magi. I think, it's, I think it's talking about something a little more concrete than that, a little more important than that. The, the star is coming out of Jacob. It's not, it's not something coming out of the sky. So I think it's a messianic reference, but uh, it's a bit veiled.
0: So you're blowing out of the water the idea that it is an alignment of the planets because they saw it over the over Jesus Christ, and that's not just something aligned in the sky. That's way too far away. Um, And it it
1: wouldn't move right anyway.
0: Okay, it's not. Yeah, it's that's they're headed south from Jerusalem, south to Bethlehem. And the star would be going this way. What you would yeah. see is Jupiter yeah. and Saturn aligning, but they'd be crossing the sky yeah. over yeah. top of your head. Yeah. Maybe they just knew at what time of date or what time of night to look. Maybe that's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, you're saying probably not an alignment of the planets. That doesn't seem to make sense. The idea of it being an actual star, uh, that gets into... May, hey, maybe in the next half, I want to ask you about the, the gospel in the stars. Because... A lot of people have heard, and I remember reading D. James Kennedy's book, Gospel in the Stars, and there's a lot there that I go, okay, how much do we know? How much can be true? What can we verify? So uh, let me save that, but I want to ask you about that. But could it have been this star? I guess that's what uh, the Star Bethlehem DVD was talking about. Uh, That was Venus as it was coming out of Virgo the Virgin, right? And the sun was up, and so that was his argument, so to speak. Venus Venus and Jupiter uh, were, were very important in that one right so got all these different theories and you're kind of saying no no and that kind of leaves us with i mean assuming it is rose in the east is talking about a star and it's not they were in the east or the eastern sky kind of leads us to more like what the children of israel followed pillar of cloud by day fire by night a supernatural event you don't explain a pillar of fire and a and a a, a, Uh, A a cloud in the day, you don't explain that naturally and just go, oh, this is what it was talking about. This is what happened in the sky, right? That's exactly
1: right. That's a very good analogy. I made the analogy
0: myself to that leading in the wilderness, the same sort of supernatural intervention to do that. And does anybody ever ask, this is a question I ask, how come more people didn't see it? I mean, if, if the wise men came to Herod and said, we saw a star in the east, and then they followed it from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, how come Herod's own wise men didn't go, we're going to keep an eye on that star that they're following, and we'll just head to the same spot. You know, the, the, uh, the So little is told to us, but the implication seems to
1: be that nobody else took note of it. Either they didn't see it or didn't understand the significance, because when they arrived in Jerusalem, it was like, huh? You know, They started asking around in town, you know, where is this king? And word finally got to, the, to Herod. And, you know, people were really worried because uh, Herod was a, a very very bad guy when this was su- this was sure to make Herod a little ticked off and when Herod wasn't happy nobody was happy and so it, it had the town in an uproar but you know if they had seen it they they might have had an idea what was going on but people were, apparently were very clueless
0: well and you tell them what happened what did Herod do I'm turning to it well, in Matthew
1: yeah Herod uh, you know he was very deceitful he was paranoid he was you know he killed I think one of his own sons, because he was afraid he was going to uh, usurp the throne. So he was uh, certainly very paranoid about this new child. So he didn't want to take any chances. And he told them, uh, we'll go down and find him, worship him, come back and let me know. So I can go worship too. And they, they didn't know. Uh, Of course, later on, they were warned in a dream uh, of that. Don't do that. And they went back home a different direction, probably up the the, called the Jericho road. And um, uh, so when Herod figured out that he had, had, they had not, followed his instructions, he was pretty upset. And he sent soldiers down with the instructions to kill every child two years and younger, which gives you an idea roughly of the maximum age Jesus could have had at the time. Uh, The word for child there is not a baby, but a toddler uh, sort of word. So uh, there's a considerable amount of time that went there. They were uh, probably a year in after the birth of Jesus at that point. Apparently the family decided to stay in Jerusalem. They were living in Nazareth, decided to stay there. They had extended family and had reason to stay probably once they arrived.
0: The the timing of that is where you get the idea that the wise men and the shepherds were not there at the same time because the shepherds were there at the birth. That was announced by an angel to them. The wise men followed the star. This could have been a year, possibly up to two years later because Herod kills all the children, has all the children two and under killed.
1: And another, another factor is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, was it was 40 days after the birth, they had to go to the temple to offer a sacrifice and they gave the poor man sacrifice, not a lamb, but uh, two doves. And if the Magi had been there, they brought some very expensive gifts and being observant people, they would have not gone for the poor man's sacrifice. They would have been able to afford a lamb at that point. So it had to be at least 40 days after the birth of Jesus, not, uh, and it probably was closer to a year
0: or more. Wow! And just so you know, I, I want to give away your book before we gotta let everybody go. But you—you you are crushing a lot of people's idea of the Christmas story right now. How do you feel about that, man? Some of you have your kid was the angel, or your your son was the wise man, and he was right there in the play at the birth of Christ. And you're like, what? How do I explain this to him? And. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to dog that too much. I don't want to get onto that too much, but there is a sense of, you know, look, we're, we have let traditions take over and I'm not against the Christmas play and what you do at the Christmas play, but we have let a lot of traditions take over without actually really discipling our our children, our families, our church at the truth of the scripture without giving them clarity And yet again, I go, that's probably one of the reasons some people later in life go, I don't believe the Bible anymore. Yeah, we did the Christmas play and they had, you know what? That didn't even agree with the Bible. My church wasn't even doing what the Bible said. Is that, I mean, because I run into those people kind of on the regular, online, in person, things like that. Is that. do, Do you have a word of advice for people as they do their Christmas plays this year?
1: Well, we need to
0: te- you need to think
1: biblically. Uh, we're doing a play at our church this year, and it uh, focuses on the Magi. And uh, while they don't have anything contrary to what the Bible says in the in the play, they do kind of take a few liberties here and there, like giving names to them and all, all so forth. But yeah, it, it, you're okay to do that, but you should try to think biblically. And if you have an element of your of your play that really doesn't jive with Scripture, you got to think about maybe altering that a little, little bit.
0: Well, I want to give away a copy of your book. Several of you commented online uh on Facebook, on YouTube, uh this is a great book. This really is a must read if, if if you're interested in truth. If you're not interested in truth, then I'm hopefully you didn't even write I want that book. But uh it really is good. Hey, we got a couple of our creation today partners. You guys are joining me live right here on Zoom and in the next half I want you guys to ask your questions to Dr. Faulkner and I want you to give him the toughest ones you got because I've tried to do that in the past. I have yet to stump him. So I want somebody out there to stump him. Uh, Wesley, you get this. Lester, you're going to get this. You don't need to send us an email. The girls are going to, in the office, they are going to email this right to you. And Andrew, you're another Creation Today member. So they're being really generous to all of our Creation members. Three of you guys. Hey, if you're on the Genesis Movie Facebook page, you're on a page that says Genesis Movie. Uh, Gene Reimer, Gene Reimer, you're going to get a copy of this book. If you would send us, I think you need to send us an email to uh, comments at creationtoday.org, comments at creationtoday.org. Send us an email. Let us know um, who you are so that we can send this to you. On the Creation Today Facebook page, Leslie Ann, you are the winner. Leslie Ann, you get a copy of The Expanse of Heaven by Dr. Danny Faulkner. And then on uh, our YouTube channel, the Creation Today YouTube channel, Annalise Thornton. Thank you so much for hanging out with us from Washington, Washington. Uh, I'm really glad. I know that uh, you've been looking for it. I just got to meet her and uh, her uh, uh, family out there, her and her husband, Tim. I've known Tim for quite a while, I taught her in school. And they're in Washington serving at a really, really cool church. It was great to be there at your church. So the girls picked you. This is no favoritism. This is uh, what they decided. So we'll send you guys that book. Oh, by the way, hey, before I let social media go, do you guys have uh, a special planetarium show going on right now for Christmas uh, at the uh, Creation Museum?
1: Yes, we have. Uh, it's on the Christmas Star I can't remember The name of it now. It was written by Jason Weil, and it's been uh, remastered and redone with new graphics. You know, we got a new planetarium a couple of years ago, and they've redone it completely. So it's a uh, greatly improved show. And uh, if you're going to be here at the Creation Museum over the next um, to the end of the month, uh, then you need to need to take in that show. It's really really quite nice.
0: I highly recommend you guys make a trip up there. I'm going to be making a trip up there this month. Um, and my college group, the college group at the church that I'm at uh, is going to be taking a group up there. Man, plan a trip up there. It's Christmas time uh, at the Ark Encounter. You got the special stuff at the museum. You'd, you'd really be blessed by taking a trip up there if you haven't been there. By the way, if you haven't, if you've already been there, let them know in the comments what you thought about your experience at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We're gonna try to help bring that place alive for some people online at the end of the month. We'll see how that goes. Okay, I wanna ask you about the Gospel in the Stars. I want uh, our members to be able to ask you questions. Uh, But before I do, social media, thank you guys for hanging out with me. If you want access to the so all the content that we ever do, past, present, and future, just go to creationtoday.org. Some of you are on the creationtoday.org slash live page right now. Uh, just simply click become a member. And for as little as two bucks a month, you can become a Creation Today partner with us. And really what that does is that helps us partner and reach people around the world with the gospel. I was blown away. Dr. Faulkner did a report last uh, last week We, we use Vimeo to embed all our videos on our, on our page. And I was like, I wonder how much content people have consumed this year. I could not believe this number. I looked up the minutes watched from our Vimeo and that is embedded on creation today, 63 million minutes of content was watched on the creation today website this year. I did the calculated, I got my calculator out. I was like, how much is that? 119 years worth of video was watched on the Creation Today website. I thought that is insane. That's a huge amount. Uh, I don't have that yeah. good of content.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, I already knew there's 31 and a half million seconds in a year. So already yeah. it was uh, 63 million minutes in one year. That's an awful lot. That's uh,
0: incredible. Yeah. I was blown away. People watching the shows, the movies, and things like that. So thank you. If you uh, if you don't go over there, check out creationtoday.org. We got a lot of great articles and videos for you to watch. Would love for you to become a partner with us to reach people around the world. We're really excited. Uh, oh, Marlison just updated me. 92 countries this year. We've shipped. Product and resources to 92 different countries, so really is exciting to see, man. We are making creation cool again, baby. I love it. People want the truth, so go get some yourself at creationtoday.org. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I'm going to kick you guys off now, and just our creation members, creation partners. Uh, let's talk about the gospel in the stars, and you guys ask your questions.